The end of incense caught fire, as it was supposed to. Just the end of it. The stick was waved slightly and blown on, and there it was. The curls of smoke, reaching round and upward, reaching nose and eyes, lungs and pores, the hair, the smell of something burnt and funerary. These burning herbs and spices and resins used by Egyptians, the Shang dynasty, cultures ancient and legendary, to prepare their dead, to use today by humans still thousands of years later. And the smoke continued to curl, resting before a statue, a statue that pays no mind to the burning, to the ashes collecting below, to the fragrance and intent. It was an offering nonetheless, a universal human behavior whose expression is infinite in variety, a ritual. During my study leave at the end of June, I spent four days at a session, a long retreat hosted by the Pacific Zen Institute. A couple of you from this congregation were also there, and it was entirely online, as most things are these days, on Zoom. We joined from our living rooms, our porches, our couches, wherever we chose to sit to engage in Zazen for four days. My home office was turned into a mini Zendo, though realistically, it almost always is that. I just tucked away the work and school papers, tidied up a little more, and set out more candles. For four days we gathered, bowing to our screens, lighting sticks of incense, sipping tea together, hearing the words of Zen masters, and meditating. Some had goals for this expansive retreat. They sought Kensho, and wouldn't that be nice? insight into our true nature, what most people call enlightenment. And many did have that experience, and some continued their cultivation of satori, further insight into one's nature. The experiences are indescribable. You have to have experienced it in order to nod in understanding. But here we were, a zendo gathered across five continents virtually, gathered and enacting rituals familiar to many, new to some, being uttered in every gesture. This retreat was filled with ritual after ritual after ritual, bells ringing, tea brewing, incense smoke curling, bowing, sitting in some variation of lotus or seiza, chanting, walking, and meditation. If you were one of the stalwarts, you could be meditating from 6 a.m. to midnight, Others did what they could. Now what often happens to people on Zen retreats is there is a landing afterwards, a reintegration into a world that doesn't have time for the Dharma, time for meditation, time for realization. I don't think I've landed yet, and that's a good problem to have. And here's why this is good. These rituals I partook of went deep, deep into the marrow of my bones and took root. The rituals just didn't speak to me. I was no idle observer. Instead, I endeavored to learn their grammar and syntax and speak back. What a beautiful thing to participate in. When was the last time you experienced a ritual that was not just memorable or impactful, but one that went deep into the marrow, that landed right at the core of who you are and stayed with you? Would you call this a, a good ritual, an effective ritual? A ritual you still enact? All of these questions require me to take a step back first and ask, what is ritual anyway? Some of you might have an answer already. Isn't it obvious, Brian? A ritual is this. A ritual is that. To which I would reply, well, what isn't a ritual? And isn't that obvious too? It is hard to define ritual. 
I don't mean how we use the word in everyday speech. Yes, yes, many of us have a cup of coffee in the morning. There is in many way, ways a ritualization to that act. But what I mean is ritual on its own, not routine, not general ritualization, but rites, ritual acts, liturgies and ceremonies, religious and secular drama we participate in. And oh, it is so hard to define, to grasp, and to name completely. But if we've experienced a life-changing ritual, we know it so well. Dr. Ronald Grimes, one of the leading and, well, let's be honest, few ritual theorists alive today, a man who has pioneered ritual studies as a distinct field, along with fellow theorist Dr. Catherine Bell. As a joke in one of his appendices in one of his massive books, put a list of six pages worth of definitions of ritual. No commentary on them, just definitions. Many of them conflicting, some of them bizarre, many of them similar. His point was obvious. We human beings create and enact rituals, and it is universal behavior. Some anthropologists even refer to us not as homo sapiens, but homo ritualis. But what is this? This act of defining something that is at the center of who we are as a species? It's an interesting question. An interesting conundrum, and one that I happen to agree with and enjoy participating in. Amidst the six pages of definitions is Grimes' uh, Grimes's own definition, and I like his best for its simplicity. Grimes states, Ritual is embodied, condensed, and prescribed enactment. Ritual is condensed, embodied, and prescribed enactment. Ponder that for a moment. It at once goes beyond daily routines, it narrows it down to types of behavior, and yes, it brings expansiveness to it. We are not just talking religion here. But think about that definition there for just a minute. Ritual is embodied, condensed, and prescribed enactment. Let the words sink in, and let's explore it a bit, and we'll begin with embodiment. We all have bodies. They come in great variety, the expression of them physically, uh, either in the flesh or how we dress and adorn them, it can feel infinite. And we all have one. Ritual embodiment involves this variety. It involves the breath and the heartbeat. It involves the rush of adrenaline at a rally or march, the delicate sadness and joy of a Unitarian Universalist flower and water communion service, the taste of wine and bread at a Christian Eucharist, the smell of incense sitting in meditation, Frankincense and myrrh mixed with oil will always be the smell of Catholicism and Anglicanism to me. I see my priest's relatives now gone, but I see them still. I hear the familiar prayers at the memory of that smell. Embodiment begins with feeling right here. But rituals are not just embodied, they're condensed. And what on earth does that mean? In a Roman Catholic Mass, that ritual is a condensed reenactment and retelling of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, his death and the resurrection they believe in. It's the telling of the complete history of the church, of the drama of the Hebrew and Christian scriptures, and of all of creation. All of that crammed into one hour. A single session of Zazen is an expression of your true nature, of the infinite and wondrous here and now condensed. The great bronze mace of the House of Representatives carried reverently into the chamber. In that act, 
Carried with it is each bill and debate, each law and filibuster, every man and woman who's been in that chamber, the promise and the disappointments called America. A Unitarian Universalist service is, by gathering and celebrating, another page in the great story of heresy, of a free faith, of the courage to believe differently, to live and die for worth and dignity and democracy and justice. It's the telling of the martyrdom of Norbert Chopik, James Reeb, Viola Liuzzo. It's the telling of all of our histories and loves and sorrows, condensed an innumerable quantum of myth and legend in each ritual. Now, that's some powerful stuff. And then we get to prescribed, the ingredients and actors and movements of our ritual. Our flower communion service requires, well, flowers. Roman mass requires bread and wine. Zen requires, well, it requires Zen. The Supreme Court requires justices. A play needs actors and a script in the very least. A parade needs a rout. A funeral needs someone to mourn. All pieces that make a ritual move. We could keep going. I love ritual. So much so my dissertation is being written on it, asking questions about new rituals for non-theistic communities. Nothing groundbreaking, but at least I'll enjoy reading it in the end. But why ponder ritual, any of us? Why expand our understanding of it beyond religion and dogma, beyond calling out deities, though all of those are certainly part of it? Why ponder? Well, a recent study published on June 29th by the Royal Society makes it clear why this pondering is a good thing for all of us. In the study, they concluded that rituals reduce anxiety in the populations that experience them. Now, well, that's obvious, you might say. But up until recently, there haven't been many studies into how ritual impacts us. How does this universal human behavior change us, help us, and restore us? And the data is coming in telling us what we have known and felt at our core for generations. Ritual helps us grieve. It helps us calm down, grounds us, centers us, and makes space for celebration and unbridled joy. It gives voice to the intangible, the indelible, just by participating in ritual wholeheartedly. It's timely that this study was released right now, during a time of pandemic and cultural unrest, a time where democracy is threatened. We need to find ways to embody, condense, and prescribe our anxiety, our grief, our sorrow, and yet even our joy as well. Rabbi Chaim Stern once said that ritual is poetry in action, meaning that ritual does for behavior what poetry does for words. Have you found a way to embody the grief of this time, to create a set time and framework to move in and through that grief. Father James Clark wrote of a woman he counseled once who had lost her husband to a severe illness. And she couldn't quite get past the grief in a way that allowed her to move on in life. So Father Clark set out to create a ritual with her. He gave her questions to think about and ponder, and she came up with an answer. They both gathered on a beach one day near sundown, the water was lulling back and forth onto the sand. The air was just slightly chilly, and she lit a fire right in the sand on the beach. Father Clark stayed off to the side, just out of sight. His presence was known, and that was enough. This was her ritual. And so she pulled out journals that documented the 25-year marriage to her now-dead husband. And slowly, slowly, she tore the pieces of paper from the journals and drop them into the flames, speaking softly of her love for her husband 
the children they raised, the struggles and joys they experienced, of his death and her need to let go. Afterwards, in the weeks to come, her life began to open up to new possibilities. She found the courage to start moving on. And it was, for lack of a better description, a good ritual. It was embodied, tearing paper and burning on a beach, the spray of the waves, the cool of the air, the spoken memories. It was condensed, 25 years of life being held close and let go at once. And it was prescribed. This was her work, her ritual. And on top of it all, it was simple. What could a ritual look like for you in honor of this time we live in? To name how you are feeling, to take some small action that gives expression to that inner self. What could it be for you? I ask these questions of you wanting to really know, but also wanting to encourage the exploration of your ritual self. Unitarian Universalists are often said that we're the Protestants that kept on protesting, right down to any dogma or creed and many of the old rituals we once practiced. But if you look closely, our DNA is still there. And new rituals, separate from and complementary to our Christian past, have emerged. Yet another promise and joy of our tradition is that we are, in effect, a ritual workshop, a ritual laboratory. We are a tradition that can let go of over-formalizing and enact raw and real rituals, anchored in the present moment. And so what will you bring to the laboratory? What is your heart crying out for to be expressed beyond just thoughts and words? What if we look to this time as an opportunity for more ritual in our life, more actions that strike at that deepest core of who we are and how we live? Just imagine putting on your face mask before heading outdoors with a simple ritual and just uttering the words, in putting on my mask, I vow with all beings to slow the spread of this virus. Now you have a vow with all beings and an intention, a deeper meaning to that act. When we see a cause for justice, we are called to how do we enter in to that space? How do we give shape to our feelings and our commitment? How about when we see people behaving poorly amidst quarantine? I use the language, I vow with all beings, but what words or thoughts or actions can you give to this time? Ritual is a well of deep abiding drama available to every single one of us. So just go ahead and give it a try. I look forward to hearing what unfolds, what grounds you, and what sustains you. Blessed be. Amen.